For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. And for want of a horse, the rider was lost, being overtaken and slain by the enemy, all for want of a little care about a horseshoe nail. Benjamin Franklin cited this parable in 1758. In the parable, neglect of a horseshoe nail cost the rider his life. We hear that, and it may sound a little dramatic, but it helps us to see that a little neglect, even of something small, can take us far from where we want to be. For the past five weeks as a church, we have been considering areas of our spiritual lives that we should not neglect, knowing that if we neglect these areas, they could potentially take us very far from God, which is not good. It does happen, though, doesn't it? It does happen. Perhaps the saddest thing to see in life is someone who once had a fire for God. And you could see it in them. You could hear it and perhaps even feel it. They had a fire for God. They were close to the flame of God's heart, passion, and love. And then drift. Busyness. The speed of life. Materialism isolationalism, and a host of other isms took them far from God. And it's not like they're saying, I hate God. It's just like, whatever. It's no big deal anymore, my friendship with God. This theme has been a way for us to call ourselves back to the flame of God's heart and passion so that we do not neglect things that matter and bring us close to the presence of God. So let's review, shall we? In week one, we said this, do not neglect to trust in Jesus. And that is certainly where our friendship with God begins when we trust in the salvific work of Jesus and we embrace his leadership and his forgiveness. We don't want to neglect to do that. That was week one. In week two, we said, do not neglect to use your spiritual grace gift in unity with others to accomplish God's purposes. In week three, we said, do not neglect to make great God-centered choices as we live in our cultural moment so that we do not lessen spiritual power. God wants to give all of us who have trusted in the work of his son spiritual power But if we don't follow him and walk with him, that spiritual power can be lessened and diminished in our lives. And we don't want to neglect to do that, to keep making great God-centered choices, because this is where we receive spiritual power. In week four, we said, do not neglect to follow the good shepherd who wants us to truly flourish with a beyond kind of life. And that's taken from John chapter 10, verse 10 where it says the thief or the great enemy of God, his purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy of God wants to do with people, to steal, 
kill, and destroy. But the good shepherd, which is a reference to Jesus, he comes to give us an abundant life, a flourishing life. And the construction of that sentence means a beyond kind of life focused on our great God. So do not neglect to follow the good shepherd, the one who helps us to flourish. In week five, we said, do not neglect to teach the next generation about the Lord. For those who have trusted in Jesus, we have a responsibility to pass on the goodness of God and the truth of who he is to the next generation. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to dedicate children and their parents on this day to the task of saying, help your kids remember what God has done and write these things on your doorposts, bring them up in conversations. We have a responsibility not to neglect passing on to the next generation the goodness of God. That brings us to week six. We want to keep thinking about things that we should not neglect so that we don't drift in our relationship with God. With your Bible or with your device, please join me in the New Testament book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, I will begin reading with verse 16 in just a moment. Out of respect for God and the reading of his word, will you stand with me? And I would encourage you to do this. Take a deep breath now and just receive the gift of Scripture. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let's read this together. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You may be seated. When we talk about God, which we do every Sunday here at Valley Point, it's who we worship and we respond to his greatness. So when we talk about God, specifically Christians are really talking about God the Father, God the Son, that's Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Theologically, we refer to this as the Trinity, it's one God existing in three persons. The Father is God. The Son, Jesus, is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. God is eternally Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God did not become Trinity at some point. It's not like one day God was sitting in the heavens doing whatever it is that God does and he recognized, you know, there's three of us, but we're really one. We should probably come up with a term for this. How about uh, Trinity? Let's go with that. God has always been this way. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, one God existing in three persons. Theologian Beth Felker Jones says this, if we want to know the truth about God, we will have to turn to the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit. So if we want to know about God, we look to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and it is a mystery. Thinking about the Trinity and one but yet three, this is certainly a mystery. It's why author Richard Lentz refers to the Trinity as one of the most intractable conundrums of the Christian faith. And I will just say with my limited understanding of how God is one, yet three, it is okay to be perplexed by this. I don't think we'll ever be able to fully understand the concept of the Trinity, this side of heaven. It's part of the beauty and the mystery of walking with God. It's why the great theologian St. Augustine would say about the Trinity, Who can readily conceive this? Who can even express it? Scripture tells us, though, when a person trusts in the saving work of Jesus, when we embrace his leadership and forgiveness, God the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in our lives. He lives within us, and we see that in Galatians chapter 3, and in Ephesians chapter 1. And here's what the Holy Spirit, who resides within us, does. So think about that. At the moment of salvation, when we trust, without us ever knowing it or even feeling it, God the Holy Spirit resides within us, and he guides and convicts and teaches and intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit is called the comforter. He comforts us. The believer has God the Holy Spirit living within them. So if you have trusted in Jesus, I hope this encourages you and lifts you today. Within you, you have God the Holy Spirit. And again, he is guiding and convicting and teaching and interceding and comforting you. So that's why the Apostle Paul writes... In Galatians chapter 5, let's go back to verse 16 now and read it again. So I say, let God the Holy Spirit, and again, if you've trusted in Jesus, he lives within you, so allow him to guide your lives. Then, if you do that, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Here's our big idea for today. Do not neglect, this is our horseshoe nail, this thing we do not want to neglect is being directed by God the Holy Spirit. Do not neglect being guided and directed by the Holy Spirit living within you. The rest of Galatians chapter 5 explains how that can happen, so let's continue reading with verse 19. When you follow, 
And I would encourage you to remember that word in verse 19. We'll come back to it in just a moment. It's very dynamic, and it helps us to understand what's happening here. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, well, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That's quite a list. Verse 21 goes on to say, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want to pause there for just a moment and say, I don't believe that the last part of verse 21 is saying that we can lose God or lose our salvation if we do these things listed in verses 19, 20, and 21. That would seem to counter everything we see in Scripture about the lavish display of God's grace and how he forgives even when we do these things and he continues to forgive us. He's that kind of loving and gracious God. So to say we can lose God or lose our salvation if we engage in these activities would counter what we see in the corpus of Scripture. The point here is that the works of the flesh or what we see listed in verses 19, 20, and 21 are a result of what happens when we are directed by our flesh and not directed by God the Holy Spirit living within us. So if we don't yield to the Spirit, if we don't follow Him, well, there could be a tendency to engage in these kinds of activities which could take us far from God. That's the point of the text. And thankfully, it doesn't end there. Look at verse 22. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces, and I want you to remember that word produces because it's tied directly to the word follow in verse 19, and we'll explain that in just a moment. So the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit in us, well, guess what he does? He produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Quite the opposite of what we see in verses 19, 20, and 21. When we follow the Spirit's guidance out from the believer, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Verse 24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. Here's this theme again. Let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. 
I want to take the paragraph that we just read and say that a life that does not neglect being led or guided by the Holy Spirit does the following. I want to share three thinking points or three choices that a life that says, I'm not going to neglect being directed by God, the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens. Number one, they nail the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross. And that comes right out of the text. So a person saying yes to God, the Holy Spirit in them, they make this choice as they evaluate their lives to say, I'm going to take my sinful passions and desires, and I'm going to nail that to the cross and just invite God to help me as I walk through this challenge. When is the last time you would say you evaluated your life or thoughts or actions and said, here is a passion or a desire that will take me far from God. And I probably should do something with that, like nail it to the cross and invite the help of God to help me overcome. That's the heart of taking our sinful passions and desires and nailing them to the cross, something that we should do consistently, I would say, something we should do daily. So as we're thinking about not neglecting to be driven by God, the Holy Spirit, and guided by him, when is the last time you evaluated your life and said, here is a passion or here is a desire? I have to nail this to the cross. A person being directed by God, the Holy Spirit, does that. The second thinking point or the second choice is to yield or follow the Spirit and allow Him to cultivate in your life fruit that is beautiful and speaks directly to the needs of our cultural moment. I think there's a lot of discussion about what does the world need? And many people are asking this right now with all kinds of trouble in different places. And you watch the news, you read, you are aware of what's happening around the world. And what does the world actually need? And people posit so many different things. I would say based on what we find in scripture, what the world needs are believers being directed by God, the Holy Spirit, and in them, the fruit of the Spirit, such as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what the world needs. And we as followers of Jesus have the ability to provide that everywhere we go, where we live, work, and play. We have the ability to provide that when and only when we are being directed by the Holy Spirit living inside of us. The word follow in verse 19, it means to exist or to be identified with or identical to. So think about this. 
when we exist with or are identical to our sinful nature, the results are clear. They're very clear, and that's what we see listed in verses 19, 20, and 21. When we are existing with the sinful nature and saying yes to that and feeding it, this is the result, and the list is filled with sins that damage us and lead us to infectual ideologies that take us far from God. However, what we read in Galatians chapter 5 is that when we are directed in a different way, when we are directed by the Holy Spirit and we allow and invite him to produce, that's the other dynamic word. That word produce in verse 22 comes from the same Greek word follow in verse 19. It means to exist or to be identical to or identify with. So when we are directed by God, the Holy Spirit, when we exist with him, well, the Holy Spirit produces in the life of that believer fruit that is extraordinary and beautiful and the answer to our cultural moment. So I think the challenge for all of us, like, I mean, here's the whole thing. The challenge for us is what do we want to exist with? What do we want to identify with? What do we want to associate with in life? We do have two choices. We can exist with the sinful nature and not nail those sinful passions and desires to the cross. We can go that way or we can say yes to allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us and cultivate in us fruit that makes a difference. The heart of an apprentice of Jesus is pointed to the fruit of the Spirit and living that way, or it is pointed to what author and theologian Ronald Rollheiser refers to as the struggle to have a vital sense of God within a secular culture, the struggle to be conscious of God outside church and explicit religious activity. So allowing God the Holy Spirit to direct our lives is something that we do in this hour. But Ronald Rollheiser is saying it's the struggle to allow that to happen outside of this moment and other religious activities where we are allowing the Spirit to guide us in such a way that this beautiful fruit is on display from us and in us towards others. That's the challenge in verse 25 which says, since we are living by the Spirit, well, then let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of life. So something for us to consider is, am I really allowing, as a believer, if you're not a believer in Jesus, you're kind of off the hook, but if you are a believer in Jesus, then am I allowing him, God the Holy Spirit, to direct every part of my life, or am I picking and choosing and saying, yeah, you can have that. Yes, this spot over here is good, but don't touch this. Am I living out verse 25? Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of life. Am I doing that? One more thinking point or choice, and that is choose the right posture toward others. 
And this can be a real challenge for us because we live in a real world and we have to deal with the responses of people around us. Often they can be annoying and disrupt us and bother us. So how do we have the right posture in these situations? Well, verse 26 tells us, let us not in the process of being directed by God the Holy Spirit, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. So that should be my posture toward you. And that should be your posture toward me. It should be how we address and interact with each other as a family of faith. And everyone outside of here who may not care anything about God and being directed by the Holy Spirit, this should be our posture. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I think when we are being guided by the Holy Spirit and he's producing in us love, joy, peace, so on and so forth, this is the result. We will not be conceited. We will not provoke one another and we will not be jealous of each other. So being guided by the Holy Spirit is a nail in life we should not neglect because it really drives absolutely everything for the follower of Jesus. And I don't think we consider this enough. Am I really being directed and guided by the Holy Spirit daily and in every area of life? If I am, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the rest of verses 21 and 22. If not, I'll probably be displaying verses 19, 20, and 21. So what do you want to exist with? What do you want to identify with as you seek to live for Jesus? A few questions. What if we did this individually? if we made these three choices. To say, okay, I'm gonna nail sinful passions and desires to the cross and I will yield to the Spirit in every area of my life and just allow him and invite him and encourage him to cultivate in me fruit that is beautiful and I will choose the right posture toward others. What would happen if we individually chose to do that? And then I'll add this question. What would happen if corporately we acted this way? So what happens individually and what happens corporately? Nailing sinful passions and desires to the cross and inviting God to help us when we struggle and regularly confessing and yielding to the Spirit, enabling Him to cultivate in us beautiful fruit and choosing the right posture towards each other. What would happen? I think we would see the glory of God just sweep through our lives and our church. Like we wouldn't even know what to do because God's glory showed up as a result of us not neglecting to be guided by the Spirit of God. I think it would be extraordinary and we wouldn't know what to do because the glory of God would just be sweeping through us and on display, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Does this actually happen? 
<laughs> like when you think about what's happening in the world around us, is anybody actually doing this? And let's personalize it a little bit more. Does this happen in our church where people are making these choices and we're seeing the fruit of the Spirit on display? Does this happen? And the answer to that is yes, it does happen. And I see in unique places and in pockets the glory of God just sweeping through individual lives and in the life of our church. Let me share a couple of examples with you. Last Tuesday, we had a night of prayer in this room. And we had a great number of people just come. And we stood and prayed. We kneeled and prayed. We sat and prayed. We got here at the front of the stage, the altar area, and we prayed for ourselves. We prayed for our communities. We prayed for people in need. We prayed for our church. We had an amazing time, and I believe the glory of God was on display as we humbly prayed before him and with him. After that night, I received a text from a friend who said, good morning, the next day. I am enjoying the carryover from last night after devoting a full hour of giving God all of my work-related worries and concerns. Thank you. Here is a person in imperfect ways saying the glory of God is working in and through me and I'm taking time to work through this and invite the Holy Spirit to cultivate good things in my life. That's one example. Yesterday, we had another great group show up for our Serving Love Day. And we sent people out to five different ministry partners in Chester and in Wilmington. And there were people painting and repairing, restoring, cleaning, organizing. We even had a group of people picking up trash in the streets. And as I thought about this and as I watched and witnessed and participated, I couldn't help but think, like, here it is. Like, this is it. This is the glory of God on full display through the body of Christ that gathers and worships and prays and we build our faith, but we also go out and we get into the communities and we get our hands dirty in practical ways, serving people who are trying to help their communities as well. And I just couldn't help but think this is the glory of God on full display. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Things the world desperately needs. I think allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us produces that kind of stuff. I think it would also bring what Martin Lloyd-Jones describes as spiritual inertia. Anybody want spiritual inertia in your life? I would love that. I would love to move beyond, you know, whatever, and God is good, amen, and, you know, let's get home to do the next thing. I would like to have spiritual inertia constantly in my life, and I'm asking for this. I think, unfortunately, we often ignore spiritual inertia because we don't invite God, the Holy Spirit, to guide us. Joan states it this way. It is possible to go on content with just listening to 
or reading the truth and never applying it to ourselves or examining ourselves in the light of it. Is this not one of the most alarming possibilities in the Christian life? And I would say it is. That we can learn a lot about God. We can know where to find things in Scripture. We can spit out answers. And we can roll out apologetics in terms of defending the faith. But is it not one of the most alarming possibilities in the Christian life that we can just go on listening and taking content and ingesting that without allowing the Holy Spirit to actually guide our lives and change the way we act towards others and exist and identify with that over our sinful nature. Let's not be content with surface disturbance. Like, ah, you know, that's a good thing to consider. That's a surface disturbance. Let's not settle with that. Let's ask God to work in us so that we move toward not neglecting to walk in the Spirit in a world that needs everything listed in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. May God do that in and for us. I have just one takeaway, and that is follow the Spirit's leading in every part of life. That's our challenge. As we walk out of here and begin this new week, just follow the Spirit's leading in every part of life. Three questions for us to evaluate. Question number one, what would it look like this week if I followed the Spirit's leading in every part of life? Not just some, but every part of life. And maybe God is bringing something to your mind right now like, oh, what about that? What would it look like this week if I followed the Spirit's leading in every part of life, my work life, my social life, my home life, my sexuality, and everything else that is a part of me? What if that were all directed by God the Holy Spirit? Second question, how will my responses be different because I choose to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of life? We all have to respond to people, don't we? Is that a struggle for anyone else besides me? I get really annoyed with people and you want to lash out. And Well, what would it look like if my responses were directed by God the Holy Spirit? I think there's a way we can be candid and speak the truth in love, but it would look more like what we see in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. That's what it is. Third question, what area of temptation or what sin will I run from because I choose to follow the Spirit's leading in every part of life? Back to the big idea. Do not neglect to be directed by God the Holy Spirit. We may not think about that a lot, but based on what we find here in Galatians chapter 5, and a desire not to neglect things that could take us far from God. Let's not neglect to be directed by God the Holy Spirit. May he help you and me. May God help Valley Point Church to be that kind of faith community. 
Father, we thank you for today and just this passage of Scripture that helps us to know that within the believer is God the Holy Spirit and we can push him down and squelch his presence and ignore it and exist in our sinful nature, which can be a lot of fun sometimes and preferred. But God, there is a different way and it's what you want for us and you challenge us, be directed, be guided by the Holy Spirit, not just in some areas of life, but in every area. So God, do a work in us right now as we conclude our time, as we prepare to exit and step into this new week. Do a work in us so that we would determine not to neglect being directed by God the Holy Spirit in us, producing in us, cultivating in us, growing in us, beautiful fruit that is the answer to what the world struggles with on a regular basis. We have the opportunity to live this out in front of others. Not so that we get applause or we get praise in some way. It's about helping people just come to you. So God, my confession is often I, I don't do this. I don't allow myself to be directed by God the Holy Spirit. And I've just been convicted in a whole new way in preparing for this. Being directed and guided this way is what you want for me. It's what you want for every believer. So God, for believers, help us to do this. Help us just to open our lives up and to say yes to being guided by the Holy Spirit. Help us to look for that so that we see the glory of God on display in us. Help us to notice that and rejoice when it happens and thank you humbly and say, give us more of the glory of God. Father, for those who would say, I'm not so sure if I'm a believer or if that's for me, I pray that you would just work in them in your loving and gentle, compassionate way so that at the right time, they can respond to you and your goodness and your love. God, I thank you for everybody that's here and everybody watching online. Bless us now. Help us to live being guided by the Holy Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said.